9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us, Jim and Cake, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Prediction on the Broncos. Uh, Lions fan, Jim. I like you, Jim. But boo! Picks the Lions to beat the Broncos 28-7. to So uh, X-Factors for the Broncos tomorrow. I believe it was uh, Dylan said he thinks Jerry Judy will be a, a big factor for the Broncos tomorrow. So hopefully that is the case. So text or call us, 970-242-1340. Yeah, Dylan's got, says Judy will be an X-Factor and catch the ball and have spatial awareness on the field. I don't disagree, but Judy's kind of been a non-factor in some of these games recently. And Well, well in the Chargers game, got to help yourself out. Got to drag the toe. It's, yeah. He took away a touchdown for himself in that play. By, by not doing what most NFL receivers know to do in that situation, drag the toe. And it would have been a touchdown. Uh, let's see, we got one from RJ and Delta. Sky judges long overdue. Having an official can see things develop or that were missed is beneficial for the game, especially since the game has now developed to slow-mo replays and different angles of important plays. I, I just think having, because how they have it now isn't integrated enough with the war room and not having somebody at the field, looking at monitors, being able to go, you missed that, or hey, that that was wrong, and making those corrections, which to me, if you year one and even year two of, of the XFL, or you the for that first year before the Rock bought it, before, when we had COVID, it worked so well. And then even the the year that the Rock owned the XFL, and they incorporated. Pretty much the same approach, right? It just it just made things faster. It just made for me they 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 were able to catch things that were not caught before, and having somebody there at the field where that that person is watching that game in the stadium, part an extension of the crew, part of the officiating crew. I I just think the NFL needs to be willing to pony up the money for an extra official and the technology that they would have at at the at the stadium to be able to do that job. And in light of what's what's going on with, with the legalized gambling now, the criticism of officiating, the NFL, I think by doing that, potentially heads off a really serious problem. Because it's what do you hear about every week? Another blown call, another missed call. What's going on with that? And, and I'm not including the whole Kadarius Tony thing, because that to me was not that was no, not the, a blown call. The frustration That for, was the right call. It was the right call. The problem was it was the right call that ruined an otherwise very cool-looking play that would have won the game for the Chiefs. That was the frustration. Now, again, and I think this was something you and I said the other day, what they could have, would have, should have done is just blown the play dead from the get-go because he was that far off sides, and then we wouldn't be talking about a potential game touchdown play ruining, you know, it might not have even been a necessarily a footnote because what if on the next play, Kansas City says, hey, we're going to run that same play, but Tony, you better make sure your you-know-what is lined up properly. Yeah, check, check where you're, check your spot, make sure you're not lined up offsides. I, I just think the Sky Judge would, would solve some of these problems with, with NFL officiating. Is it, but once again... Seems like the NFL. It's not their idea. 
They're they're not crazy about it. All right, so text or call us today. Prediction on the Broncos, Lions tomorrow. And um, who do you think will be an X factor? I, I think it's going to be Mike McGlinchey against Aiden Hutchinson uh, in regard to uh, that matchup between uh, you know, the Broncos, a guy they're spending an awful lot of money on to protect, you know, the, the protect Russell Wilson. And so far, McGlinchey the last few weeks against some really good pass rushers like Khalil Mack has been able to uh, get the job done. So got some thoughts on that today. Text or call us 970-242-1340. Uh, we'll have our picks of the Pope coming up a little bit. Don't forget to get your picks in for Pile Picks Can Pick Them. Uh, brought to you by Kistner Motors. So I've got time to win that uh, that grill. Uh, of course, here at the end of the end of the entire season, we're talking even the postseason as well, the Super Bowl. Uh, you'll have a chance to win that uh, Traeger Tailgater Grill from Fruita Co-op Country. Great place to go out and and uh, you know look look for some great Christmas items, both uh, decorations and also just gifts as well. And you can also win a five hundred dollar gift card to. Uh, Played against sports, another great place to uh, to uh, pick up some Christmas gifts. Uh, by the way, this week you can win that uh, gift card to Wrigley Field with the uh, 15 minute lunch guarantee. If your lunch is not to you in 15 minutes, you get it for half price. So, uh, text or call us today. Chick fil A breakfast team phone line 970 242 1340. Something we haven't really uh, we've talked about a ton. Mm. But is tomorrow a chance for a championship for the RMAC in football, which the RMAC does have one with the CSU Pueblo years ago winning a national championship. But tomorrow, it's uh, Colorado School of Mines taking on Harding for the national championship. Last year, of course, the, the Ordigers got, got smoked in the championship game. And I didn't realize uh, the athletic department motto do you know what the athletic department motto is um, at Colorado School of Mines? Get your engineering degree, you nerd. <laughs> Where nerds win. That's the slogan. Stop it. Where nerds win. That's. N- Please tell me that's a joke. That's, their, that's the slogan according to this story. Where nerds win. Where nerds. That doesn't sound like a slogan. That sounds like a... <laughs> That sounds that sounds like a a really bad like fantasy draft sports book, you know like 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 it's something you know it's it's DraftKings but for people who got statistics degrees and who want to use them or something. Of course, John Matoka, the the Harlan Hill Trophy winner, now the all time record holder for touchdowns in Division Two football, touchdown passes in D two football. You know what is. Uh, he had an exam subject, bioinformatics. I have no what idea what that is. Bioinformatics. How, how do you spell that? B I O K I N F O R M A T I C S. Okay. Bioinformatics, so, I believe, is how you pronounce it. According to the uh, National Human Genome Research Institute. They must be a fun group at parties. Bioinformatics is uh, as related to genetics and genomics is a scientific subdiscipline that involves using computer technology to collect, store, analyze, and disseminate biological data and information such as DNA, amino acid sequences, and annotations about those sequences. So in other words, 
they're the people that are going to build the human robots and destroy us all in Skynet. Great. Oh, great. Skynet. Thanks, John Matoka. You know, he's you even a bigger villain than before. You think it's 23 and me, and then the next thing you know, your clone shows up at your house, takes your, you know, takes your wife, takes your house, takes your car. That's fine. I, yeah. for one, welcome our new robot. I mean, I mean, I mean we, we already, not that I dislike John Matoka personally, but, but being a Mav, of course, we're, we're not a fan of him. His 160 career touchdown passes. Most in all of college football, period. Not just D2, yep. period. Period. Oh. I will say this, though. I think it's kind of a what's good for the goose, good for the gander kind of thing. If Colorado School of Mines wins the national championship, it does kind of galvanize or legitimize the RMAC a little bit. Obviously, it does. I mean, and the team in the championship game back-to-back years? Yeah, back-to-back years. And if they win it, it'll be a good story. It'll kind of, you know... I mean, you think about this, right? All the attention that Colorado football has gotten, period. You've had, obviously, Coach Prime. You had Sean Payton, right? All the attention that the state of Colorado has gotten for football, and then you add in the D2 National Championship appearance second time in a row for Colorado School of Mines, that's that's not nothing. And I know that Mines is a huge, big rival. I don't know if I'm necessarily rooting for Harding. You know what I mean? Look, I, we're we're not fans of minds, but you got to be a fan of they're an in-state team. They're a team in the same conference as Colorado Mesa, and you'd like to see the conference get uh, another national championship in football. Recognition, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's as much as yes, I, I want the Ordiggers to win tomorrow against Harding. I may not be a Mines fan, but they're, they're football, they're, they're, they're part of the football family, the RMAC conference. And while you don't root for them the day the Mavericks play them, no. And you may not root for them any other day. Well, tomorrow they're playing Harding, playing the Bison. And by the way, neither one of these teams have, have ever won a national championship, so keep that in mind. So it'll be a first time for for one of these two schools. But um, and, and Harding's pretty good in terms of their offense. They average almost uh, forty eight points per game. Though uh, Colorado School of Mines, almost fifty points a game. <laughs> there and you go. Five hundred and twenty yards of offense per game. Both defenses are super salty. Both give up just about 11 points per game. So both are really good in that category. And the, the Bisons run a flex bone offense. Their quarterback, Cole uh, Keelan, is uh, a very good rusher. And so it's definitely more of the, the running attack for the Bison against the Ordiggers. And their their passing game, which uh, they're also, they also have a very good one-two punch with their running game as well. And so uh, somebody's going to win their first championship tomorrow between uh, Harding and Colorado School of Mines. Now, see, full disclosure. That's in McKinney, Texas, by the way, tomorrow. Full disclosure. My my mother has a job at Colorado School of Mines. So there's a chance that uh, she she will be rooting and, and, you know, 
cheering for the place that currently semi kind of sort of employs well, that's her. A, that's okay. That's it's all right. She works there. I get it. It's all right. Yeah. But who does she cheer for when her son's alma mater plays the Colorado School of Mines? I... That's didn't, what I, I didn't want to press what, on that question. That's what I'd like to know. I'd like to know, does your mom... You know what? I think you and I both would like to know the answer to that question. I think you need to shoot a text to mom and say, hey, when those day, when those games happen, who are you rooting for? Uh, I think I'd like, I'd like to know. I'll see her at Christmas. I'll, I'll ask her that. Oh, you're going to wait till Christmas? I'm going to wait till, uh, till like, we're in person. So I was waiting to have an answer by the end of the show this morning. So. Well... Apparently not. Apparently I'm not going to get that. That's my Christmas present that I want. <laughs> Which, who your mom's rooting for? Who are, you, who are you rooting for when CMU plays Colorado School yeah. of Mines? Yeah, uh, should mention this too. We didn't get back. We didn't talk about it when it happened. But um, Tremaine Jackson, former Maverick football coach of Eldosta State, mm-hmm. and they got to the quarters. They lost to Lenore Ryan, thirty-five to seven. But uh, they were they were there. They were competitive. Closer to a, a chance to play for a a national championship. All right, uh, so you can watch at ESPN Plus tomorrow. Uh, it's also, uh, yeah, you can get the live stats at NCAA.com, but ESPN Plus uh, will have the game tomorrow from McKinney, Texas. It's actually uh, 11 o'clock our time, I should say, 11 o'clock tomorrow from ISD Stadium in McKinney, Texas. All right, so uh, speaking of Colorado Mesa, Maverick basketball teams on the road, final RMAC games uh, uh, before the holiday break when they play at Adams State today for the Maverick women. Um they're coming off a, a weekend where they picked up wins against uh, both UCCS and Regis uh, for the Maverick women. Um, struggled offensively in that uh, that win, 58-53 over UCCS. Josie Stebman, though, had a, a really good weekend in both games, 16 in the win against the Mountain Lions and a career-high 19 against Regis in the victory the, the second night. Sophie Haydad had 16 points against Regis as well, career-high for her. Mason Rowland had 16 points as well as uh, the Mavericks uh, head down to Alamosa today. Both CMU and Adams State, uh, common opponents, beat West Texas A&M earlier this season. Mavericks beat the Buffalo 70-51 at Brownson after the uh, Grizzlies won their season opener in Lubbock, Texas, 77-64. So right now, Adams State, a game ahead of the Mavericks. Uh, it's very early, uh, but 4-0, tied with Colorado School of Mines for first place. There's a four-way tie for third with Colorado Mesa, Colorado Christian, Fort Lewis, and UCCS all at three and one. Adam State right now second in the conference in scoring, averaging almost 74 points per game. And uh, uh, Hermaine Dominguez had a big game, a record-setting game against New Mexico Highlands, second in the conference in scoring at 18 points per game. The Mavericks' Olivia Reed is sixth in the conference at 16 points per game, and Mason Rowland is uh, eighth at almost 15 points per game. So uh, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, says that when they go to play a Plackey Hall today, that um, the Grizzlies defense, they've had some games where they've allowed under 30% shooting, games where they've given up over 40%. But Wagner says some teams are more equipped to face a tough defense like Adams State. Some teams are able to handle the pressure just a little bit better. And the times where you, you get stuck in a bad situation and you turn the ball over, but the teams that are really focused and have a good game plan going in, and because of all the trapping that they do and running around, you are going to get shots. And now it just comes down to, you know, can you make those open shots? All right, so the Mavericks go in 9-2 and two overall. Adam stated they're currently 9-3 and three on the season. Pre-game at 3.15 today, tip-off at 3.30 for that one. 
The Mavericks at Adam State taking on the Grizzlies. As far as the Maverick men, uh, UCCS threw a little wrinkle out of his own defense in that uh, that Friday night game, but the but the Mavericks able to to find a way to to pick up the victory. Um, they were down 13 points at halftime, but came back to win 70 to 62 against UCCS and against uh, Regis. The Mavericks uh, shot 56 percent from the field, 51 percent from three point range. Did a nice job defensively, holding Regis to just 27.8% uh, from uh, from the field and just uh, 15% from three-point range. And so um, the Mavericks uh, score off against Adams State today. Mavericks uh, up to number eight now in the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches poll. And uh, so the the Mavericks uh, able to, uh, to build on their success of that uh, weekend sweep at home last weekend against uh, uh, both the UCCS and Regis. Mavericks coach Mike DeGeorge uh, talking about today's matchup where uh, the Maverick men uh, head down to play at Adams State. Um, Adams State, uh, a team that can score the basketball, but uh, defensively, it's it's been a challenge at times this year. This is why they're 3-7 and seven right now. And CME coach Mike DeGeorge says there's still, though, some big expectations in Alamosa. The nice thing about having a veteran group is that the guys – should just have an understanding that no matter what records are, go over to Adams. It's hard. The gym usually is either burning up or freezing. <laughs> it's a really tough circumstances. They usually draw well and they get good crowds and they're they're on you and it's impactful. So Destan Williams uh, leads Adam State in scoring at 15 points per game. The, the Mavericks so far this season. Uh, Trevor Baskin's been averaging 17 a game. Matt, Matt Renneker's cooled off just a little bit. Was a Mavericks leading score, but now averaging about 16 points per game. Owen Kuntz and uh, Isaac Jess, about 12 and 11 points respectively for the Mavericks. Mavericks are 57 and 26 all time against Adams State, and they're also on a 10 game winning streak. They've won 22 of 38 games in Alamosa. And then for the Maverick men, while the women will be done for the holiday break, uh, the Maverick men have games out in Las Vegas coming up after today, but. Uh, the Maverick men will uh, take on Adam State today, tip off at 5.30. So it's an earlier start today than normal. Once again, uh, women's pregame at 3.15. Uh, with their tip off at 3.30, the Maverick men tip it off at 5.30. You'll be back here in the studios for that one today, Tyler. Brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm as the Mavericks take on Adam State. All right, 9.18. And coming up, we'll have our football picks of the Pope. Also, Chris Marlowe from Altitude TV will be joining us in just a little bit as well. Covers the Nuggets, and we'll talk with him. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This <laughs> is the Jim Davis Show. Welcome back. 922. Sean with the text, and I thought of when I read it, and I know I, I had to look at it again to make sure I read it correctly. Whether they misquoted him, I'm not sure. Or Dean Bland, he said Dean Blandino's a moron. He stated the NFL doesn't want the refs to to be con- inconspicuous. That's exactly what they do want. He should stick to smaller words if he doesn't understand the big words. I don't know if they quoted him wrong or what, because I thought that when I read that, Sean, I'm going, wouldn't he want, you'd want them to be inconspicuous. You, you, right. You don't want them, wa- hey. Don't draw attention to yourself. You don't wear your, everything, you don't wear your jacket with the NFL shield on it all over the place and yeah, I I was I was a little bit I'm with you on that, Sean. I don't know if they it's, just misquoted him. I wonder if it's kind of the same thing where people say I could care less. No, it's I couldn't. I could not care. You you saying I could care less means you have the capacity to care less, I, which I, means at some point you care. Right. Stop saying you could care less. Say you could didn't. Could not like, care less. It's like anyways. 
So anyway, but but anyways, no, it's anyway. Anyway. Anyway, it's not anyways. I, I agree. So, Sean, I don't know if Blandino's a moron. Eh, maybe he is. But in that case, I don't know if like, <laughs> so they, just, they just got it wrong or he could be. He just didn't understand what inconspicuous means. All right. Chris Marlowe is confirmed. We'll be talking with him in a few minutes. But uh, right now, it's the Pope. Good morning, Petey. How are you? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Two weeks from today, we roll out. From today. From today. Today. And and I'm still reeling, romping, stomping from my Ravens walk-off punt return in overtime against the Rams. I'm still giddy about that. There's a guy, a friend of mine, Kaleo. That is a, uh, and you're a friend as well, but you're the, you're the, uh, you two are the only Ravens fans I know. And oh, he was okay. just, I saw him the other day, just gushing about, oh, I can't believe we got the walk-up. Oh, right yeah, he, he was just going on and on about it. And so, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I should hook you guys up. You guys should uh, get me, uh, start a little Ravens fan club here locally. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a Mesa grad. A couple Mesa grads getting together. Okay. That'll okay. work. Are you, you, you there? What are you doing? We lost you there for a moment. It was, like, <laughs> it was like you were in a tunnel there for a yeah. second, Petey. I'm still here. Okay, good. All right. Good. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're still with us, Petey. I'm uh, still here, man. Okay. So uh, what does it look like from last week? Uh, well, um, don't, don't say mine. Don't, don't even go where mine is because I'm, I'm – <laughs> uh, So as it stands right now, Jim, you are in first place. Rio is in second. I am in third. And, uh, Petey, you're uh, back in the caboose. Still. Uh, still. Yeah, so, Jim, you went five and one. Not bad. I'll take it. Uh, I went four and two. Rio went three and three. And Petey went two and four. There you go. Ouch. Yep. We all, except for Petey, got Army right. We all got the Ravens right. We all got the Chiefs wrong. We all got the 49ers right. Jim, you were the only one to correctly pick the Cowboys over the Eagles, and you and I are the only ones to get Broncos Chargers right. So there you go. All right. So for myself, a little gift for me today. Do it. Do it. What is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. All right. That there is you good. go. So here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of All right, we start bowl season underway. The Los Angeles Bowl featuring a team from L.A. The UCLA. It's the Gronkowski Bowl now, isn't it? I sure. Because he took it over from Jimmy Kimmel, I think. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, L.A. Bowl, UCLA versus Boise State. Uh UCLA is a two and a half point favorite in this one. I'm taking the Bruins. Rio is also taking the Bruins. Petey, what say you? I'm staying in the Pac-12. I'm going to go with the Bruins. Or what's left of the Pac-12, right? Yeah, what's left of it? I'll take the future member of the Big Ten. I'll take UCLA. Uh, by the way, the LA Bowl is—it's the Rob Gronkowski LA Bowl. There you go. Rob Gronkowski has a bowl. Yes, well, he does. It was, it was the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, but now it's wow. the Rob, now it's the Rob Gronkowski Bowl. Man, I tell you, they are desperate for names and for money, aren't they? No kidding. Well, they didn't pay any money though. Kimmel didn't either. They 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 don't pay to have their name attached to it. 
Wow. So is this just a rotating, like, every year they're going to get a new celebrity? I, I think he had it for a couple of years. Jimmy Kimmel did. Get ready for the Gwyneth Paltrow Bowl <laughs> in Los Angeles next year. Because <laughs> UCLA is emotionally uncoupling. Seriously. From, uh, from the Pac-12. From the Seriously. All right, next up, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Georgia Southern versus Ohio. Georgia Southern, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Rio is taking the Ohio Bobcats. I'm taking Georgia Southern. Petey, what say you? I'm going to stay down south, man. I'm going to go Georgia Southern. Sorry, who's playing it again? I'm sorry. Georgia Southern <laughs> and Ohio. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'll go with the Bobcats. I'll go with Ohio. Okay. All right, moving on. Teams we've talked about uh, in, in need of maybe a win in the AFC. Steelers, Colts. I saw this on the crawl. The Steelers have eight straight wins over the Indianapolis Colts. Do they get it to nine? I don't think so. I'm taking the Colts in this one. Rio's also taking Gardner Minshew and the Colts. Petey, who you got? Uh, the Steelers are reeling right now, man. They're just in trouble. So I'm going to go with the Colts. Even though they left Baltimore, I'm going to go with the Colts. You've, you've, I'm still you've holding that against that. them. You've moved, you've moved somewhat past that, though, right? A little somewhat. Bit? Somewhat. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Gardner Minshew. You can throw that football all those mountains. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Colts. The Uncle Rico of the NFL himself. Yeah. All right, up next is the game we're going to have here on the Team Sports Network on Saturday morning, 10.30, with Westwood One, Vikings, Bengals, Cincinnati, one-and-a-half-point home favorite. I am going to take the Vikings in this one. Rio's taking the Bengals. Petey, what um, say you? The, the, the Bengals are playing a little bit better. They put up some points last week, and I don't think the Vikings are there. They, they're even starting a new quarterback, aren't they? Uh, Nick Mullins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're starting a different quarterback. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm on the Browning train here. Jake Browning's been really good. I'm going to go Bengals. All right. So, so I guess I'm a lone wolf for the Vikings then. And but... we'll have that game tomorrow morning on the team at 1030, by the way. Doesn't bode well for me that I'm the only one picking the Vikings, but it's fine. Uh, next, I think this game probably had a little bit more excitement when it was first announced on the schedule. Now, we'll see. But Cowboys-Bills, Buffalo's one-and-a-half-point home favorite. I am going to take Dallas. Rio's also taking. How about them Cowboys? Petey, who you got? How about them Cowboys, man? When they went in there and did over the Eagles, uh, and plus I've been impressed, like I said, with their defense all year, man. And they... They're a hot team right now. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I've been real happy with my boy Dak. Dak's been playing really good. I'm really, really happy with how he's playing right now. I'm going to give him a 500-year a contract extension. He can, play for, years. he can play for 500 years, right? He can play, he can play that long. No, no, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. All right. Last but not least, Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock on the Team Sports Network with Countdown to Kickoff. The Denver Broncos in the Motor City to take on Dan Campbell and the fighting, biting, kneecap Detroit Lions. Jim, promise you won't be mad. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be mad. I'm gonna take the Detroit Lions in this one. I'm not gonna be mad. Rio's taking the Broncos. Rio is nuts. I had the same reaction or a very similar reaction, Petey. <laughs> so He's nuts. I mean, I'm, he's always nuts, but he, on this pick, he's nuts. But that's, Rio's still my guy, man. 
Lions. That's still my buddy from way back in the day. Anyway, I'm going to go with the Lions at home. I just think they got a really nice running game. Broncos got a couple of injuries, and uh, but I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. So your your buddy Rio, he picks the Broncos. It's it's nuts if I do. So, well, I, I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little hurt. I'm a little hurt by this. No, you know, no, I expect you to pick the Broncos. You're a homer. He's a Browns fan. Incessant, and this incessant love you have of of the Buckeye boy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just Buckeye, I, I Buckeye and I go way back, man, talking in, in Walmart in, in the aisles, Wait. man. We go way back. What, like you and I don't go way back? Wow. <laughs> we go back even further. We wow. go back, yeah, even further. Wow, okay, wow, wow, wow. Okay. I already made my pick, so. Oh, the yeah. Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'm going to go Broncos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Denver Broncos. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, Petey, no. always good to talk with you, Petey. Hey, guys. It's your, good your, to see you, and it's good to hear from you. And next yeah. Wednesday, Jim, hopefully I'll get a chance to see you. I don't know now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe your buddy maybe your buddy Rio will show up. Maybe your Buckeye boy. <laughs> My buddy Rio. Hey, don't put Rio on me. Jim, don't do that. Don't think that, Jim. We go too far back. We go friend. too far back. Wow. We too strong and too long to be like that, oh, Jim. God, you know, I'm just giving you crap, man. You know, I'm just giving you crap. I know you are. Of course, I'll be there Wednesday. All right, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Enjoy yourself. All right, man. Take care, Petey. All All right, right, later. See you on Wednesday. All right, uh, there he goes. The Pope in a puff of smoke. Two weeks left. That's time at uh, D51. That's crazy. I just have to give him some grief. I just have to give him a little bit of grief today. His buddy Rio. All right. Chris Marlowe's coming up in a few minutes. Yes. Maybe he'll become my new found (laughs) longtime friend. He does, by the way, have a a gold medal and five Hall of Fames that he's in. Just, just, just five gold medals. He might be. I think he's the only, maybe the only gold medal winner, Olympic gold medal winner we've ever talked to in the program. I think he might. I think that might be the case. I'm trying to digging through the data banks here, and he might be it. That's cool, though. Of course, did it in volleyball with the Team USA back in '84 games. So, uh, Chris Marlowe coming up in just a few minutes. Time right now for a little trip down memory lane this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1925, the first NHL game was played at New York's Madison Square Garden. The Americans score first, but the Montreal Canadiens win 3-1 before 17,000 fans. 1929, the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 3-1 in their first game at Chicago Stadium. Vic Ripley scores twice in 35 seconds during the second period in front of 14,000-plus. Also, 1935, the Detroit Lions won the NFL championship with a 26-7 win over the New York Giants. 1964, San Francisco's Will Chamberlain scores 58 points, including nine in overtime to give the Warriors a 134-132 victory over the New York Knicks. Also on this day, 1974, Oakland's Jim Catfish Hunter is ruled a free agent by arbitrator Pete Seltz when A's owner Charles O'Finley fails to live up to the terms of Hunter's contract. Also, 1984, Edmonton's Wayne Gretzky has five goals and an assist to lead the Oilers to an 8-2 win over the St. Louis Blues. And that's this day in sports history. Coming up, Chris Marlowe.
TV voice of the Denver Nuggets. That's on the way next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Stuart Slope's home of Colorado sports. Come on! This is the Jim Davis Show. Talking Nuggets with Altitude Sports on the Jim Davis Show. With us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. He is the TV voice of the Colorado, or the Denver Nuggets. Joining us right now, Chris Marlowe. I almost said the Avalanche, Chris, because we have Connor McGahee on so often. I almost slipped and said Avalanche. I'm so sorry, Chris. That's quite all right. Uh, always good to be on after a big win. Last night, Nuggets taking down Brooklyn. Nikola Jokic continues to do incredible, incredible things. Another triple-double is 10th of the season. He now has uh, you know, the, the, the seven consecutive years of, uh, of 10 triple-doubles or more. Uh, sets uh, an NBA record, uh, surpasses what uh, Oscar Robertson uh, did in, in terms of triple-doubles. You were there for some history last night. Kind of take us through it because for Nikola Jokic, it just it's business as usual for the Joker when he goes out and puts up those kind of numbers. Well, as long as he doesn't get thrown out of the game, I, I think you can almost <laughs> mark in the triple-double. Uh, he's been remarkably consistent. Uh, the one game he didn't play, the two he got thrown out, the Nuggets won those anyway. But he has just been uh, very, very impressive. Last night, it was just so easy for him, uh, it seemed like. I mean, 26, 15, and 10. Uh, and he only played, what, he only played like 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, he is the bell cow. He's one of the greats of all time, I think, now. And uh, and he is definitely in the running for this year's MVP. Should have got it last year. Uh, now Joel Embiid is playing pretty well, so it's going to be a race this time around. But uh, I like what the Nuggets are doing. They're on a three-game win streak and, uh, and feeling pretty good about everything now. Chris Marlowe covers the uh, Nuggets, uh, their play-by-play broadcaster with the TV uh, um, broadcast on Altitude in his 17th season as The Voice. Do you remember the first game you called for the Nuggets, what the matchup was? You know, I, I really don't. I do remember the first game that I did when I, I actually came from uh, San Diego in 2004, and I remember the first preseason game I did uh, we did a Nuggets preseason game at the Air Force Academy, and it was myself, Bill Hanslick, and Scott Hastings on the call. And I remember doing the on camera, and I, 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 I looked at Hastings, and I looked at Hanslick, and I felt like a midget. Now, I'm six three; I'm not short, <laughs> uh, but I was kind of like uh, you know the cream filling in in between the cookie. Uh, and I remember that. Uh, as uh, uh, per- pretty vividly, but I do not remember the first game that I called. Do you? I do not. I wish I, you know, if I'll have my, my colleague here, you want to look up Chris's first game that he called? I will see Nuggets? what I can do. Because now inquiring minds want to know about this. And, and Chris, yeah, is, it Chris would be interested. the 2004, 2005 uh, uh, season, I believe, would be the first one. Chris Marlowe, uh, Nuggets TV broadcaster with us today on the Team Sports Network. Before we talk more about the, where the Nuggets are right now, Chris, uh, just got to go back uh, to last year since our first chance to talk with you since they won uh, the NBA championship. Just, you know, the, through the, the all these seasons, covering the Nuggets, good, bad, obviously some really good the last few years. Just uh, a highlight moment for you last year, getting a chance to call the Nuggets winning an, an NBA championship. You know, the, uh, the great thing about my job is that I come to work every night knowing that if the Nuggets play their A game, they are going to win. If they play their B game, they're usually going to win. And even if they play their C game, 
there's a chance that they're going to win. I think uh, Michael Malone has done a, a fabulous job of kind of putting the team together uh, in, in terms of who to play and who comes off the bench. I think Calvin Booth has done a great job drafting. These young players are really good. Peyton Watson is going to be outstanding. Christian Brown is going to be sensational. Uh, Justin Strother looks like he's a hit. Uh, it, it's just uh, a lot of fun to, to call the Nuggets. Uh, last year, getting to the championship and then uh, achieving the championship, I think when it really hit me, believe it or not, it was pretty late. Uh, you know, when I sat down to do the victory parade, that was uh, that was really special. And I think there was a there was a game along the way uh, when the Nuggets won at Phoenix to close the Suns out, and I thought to myself, this team's going to go all the way. They got the Lakers next. I think they can handle them, and then whoever they get in the final, uh, you know. It should be an automatic. Chris Marlowe calls the Nuggets for Altitude TV uh, with us today on the Team Sports Network. You referenced uh, the bench because uh, it's it's a group of young guys with Bruce uh, Brown, of course, moving on to, to Indiana. That uh, he was such an independ- indispensable piece last year, really a Swiss Army knife for Michael Malone. That they're now really relying on, on what that bench can do. And uh, you mentioned uh, Christian Brown, the way the in his second year he has really continues to develop. Uh, Jordan Strother as well, um, and just you know that in the way Peyton Watson, you know, I think I read the comment that he's starting to feel more and more comfortable, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, his role coming off the bench and and being an NBA player, just feeling more comfortable. That's a young group that I know they spend some time together. They all uh, some of those guys live close to each other, but it's a young group that's really come together and it's going to be key for the Nuggets making another championship run. Yeah, I think that has been. Uh... One of the major storylines this year is how do the Nuggets rebuild the bench? And I think they've gone about it the right way. They've allowed the young guys to play through their mistakes, and now they seem to be maturing at the same time. Uh, they brought back Reggie Jackson. A lot of people uh, uh, thought that was a bad idea. Uh, Reggie came back on a two-year, $10 million contract. Everybody said, what are you doing? He has been fantastic. Reggie Jackson leading uh, the second team, he's filled in for Jamal Murray uh, uh, when Murray's been out. Uh, you add in a little DeAndre Jordan, the, the veteran big, and then you sprinkle in the young guys, and uh, it really looks like uh, they have the bench going in the right direction. It's not finished yet, but in the last three games, they've scored 149 points, 46, 50, and 53. And if they can get that kind of production off the bench uh, – and the Nuggets starters remain healthy, and they do what they do. Uh, they might not win. Uh, they don't, might not lose another game the entire season. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a fantastic proportion. I don't think the bench can continue to do that, but they're headed in that direction. Chris Marlowe with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Reggie Jackson. He's be, be, had to become Mr. November and occasionally Mr. December uh, with the, <laughs> the way he's been playing, filling in for Jamal Murray. Of course, a former prep standout here from Colorado and. And uh, for, for Reggie, like I said, you know, thrust into the, that uh, starting role because of Jamal Murray's injury. Uh, what's been the has it just been playing time, Chris, or what's been the biggest difference for Reggie Jackson this year as opposed to last year? You know, I think last year when he he got here late, uh, the lineup was fairly set. He got a little bit of playing time, but he really didn't know the offense and the other players. And the Nuggets decided to go with an eight-man rotation late. And he just really didn't have 
there, there's a Nuggets way of doing things, and he had not figured it out yet. He had told me one time that that in one of those late games, uh, he he was playing badly. He had missed like five threes in a row, and on the next play, Jamal Murray threw it to him when he was open, and, and said, "Shoot it." <laughs> and and Reggie Reggie said to me, he goes, I, I just wasn't used to that. Usually when I'm not playing well, nobody throws me the ball. And uh, it, it just turns out that the Denver Nuggets are kind of equal opportunity guys. Whoever's open gets the ball, and, and they're allowed to shoot it. So uh, according to reports, he was here the entire summer learning the offense, helping out the young guys, working on his game. He's been so much better than I anticipated. His outside shot has been a revelation. Now, he shot over 40% from three a couple of years in his career, a couple of years back, but he has proven to be a dead-eye three-point shooter. He's over 42%, and he's a very good finisher in the lane and a pretty good passer also, although he doesn't like to do that that much. He's more of a scoring point guard, but I think he has just figured out a way to fit in. He knows his role. He doesn't have to start, but when he's called upon, he does a great job. And uh, he's certainly one of the nicest guys. I told this story. I'm not sure I've told it on your show because we haven't talked in quite some time. But every time we go on a trip, Reggie Jackson, he he's in the front in the first class section of the of the big plane. He comes back and he daps up everybody on the plane. He walks back individually, uh, other players, media, coaches. Just with a big smile on his face, how you doing? Every single game, before and after, that's, that's kind of how Mr. October works for the Denver Nuggets. We're talking with Chris Marlowe, the TV voice of the Altitude, Denver Nuggets coverage, and Chris, looking up uh, on the Internet Archives, you said 2004 season would have been your first. That first game of the year would have been the San Antonio Spurs and Denver Nuggets in what was a low-scoring affair, 80-72 to 72 Nuggets win. Today also is uh, the anniversary, the seven-year anniversary of De- Nikola Jokic's debut, or as it's known, Jokemas. So just getting back to him, <laughs> getting back to him for just a second, you know, in the games, like you mentioned, when he's been ejected or when he hasn't played, Denver still found a way to win, and then obviously when he's on the floor, he's a huge difference maker. When it comes to other ways in which he dominates the game in terms of scoring and assists and rebounds. Where do you feel like his leadership has improved from when he started his career seven years ago to where it's at now? I'm going to get to him in one second, but I want to go back to that 2004 game. Uh, I have a funny little story to tell. So uh, we're on the road, I believe, in San Antonio. Uh, George Carl and Doug Moe were the coaches. And it's 80 72, and it's one of those games where you're just going – well, what's going on? Nobody seems to be able to score. Seems like the Nuggets are playing pretty good defense. And so w- when the Spurs end up with, with 72 points, I look it up in the media guide, and that's the lowest number of points that the Nuggets have ever allowed in a game. So after the game, I see assistant coach Doug Moe, who I don't know very well at that time, and I say, uh, Coach, uh, congratulations. That That's probably the greatest defensive performance in Nuggets history. <laughs> And he goes, what are you, an idiot? That was this terrible offense. You must be the dumbest announcer, and you're new. <laughs> I, 
I just remember that. He just ripped into me, and I go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that ever again. Uh, w- welcome uh, welcome to covering the Nuggets, courtesy of Doug yeah, Welcome Bo. to the yeah. Nuggets. So, uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, he's like he, he's like having the coach on the floor. Not, not only is he I- incredibly gifted in what he gives you, so he gives you the points, the rebounds, and, and the assists, but uh, he, he gives you game planning now, the leadership role he grows into. I remember when we first started out, Scott Hastings and I discussing, well, who's going to be the leader on this team? Jokic really isn't the leader. He's quiet. Uh, you know, Murray's got a ways to go. Uh, you know, how, how are the Nuggets going to get leadership? And it turns out that those two guys have turned into two uh, fantastic leaders. Uh, I always I always say, and the Nuggets haven't done this, but I wish they'd make those those two guys the uh, co-captains of the team officially make them the co-captains and have them go out uh, before the game. You've seen it where they ask for representatives of the team to talk to the referees and to, uh, you know, to check out the ball and introduce everybody. And uh, I think the Nuggets would be well served to do that with Jokic and Murray every night because the, the games are so strident all the time. It's always, you, you didn't call the foul. There's some kind of an argument. And I think the Nuggets, can can get by this this issue with Jokic being ejected uh, if he got a little bit uh, got better uh, with the officials. Extend an olive branch to the officials. Say, look, I know we've had some issues in the past, but let's get past it. I'm willing to uh, stick out your hand and and say, you know, let's go forward from here because I think that's the only thing that stops the Denver Nuggets is if Jokic or Murray. Uh, they get they get penalties, they get kicked out of the game, they get technicals, and I just think, you know, Jokic's probably got a good good number eight years left. So does Murray, and I think going forward, uh, they would be well served uh, to try to mend the fences with the officials. Officials are going to be the officials for the rest of their careers, and I think this would be a good way to do it. Chris Marlowe with us today on the Team Sports Network. What are you hearing about uh, Jamal and his uh, hopefully uh, hopefully an impending return here in the near future for the Nuggets? Well, he, he's back. He, he's back. He's got sore ankles. Uh, the hamstring looks like he uh, uh, is, is healed up from that. Uh, it might be just one of those things where he's got to play through a little bit of pain throughout the season. Uh he is is on a minutes restriction. I'm not sure what it is because Malone. Every time you ask him about it, it's you know it's 25 or 29 or as many as I have to. Uh, but I think Jamal's going to be fine. He just needs to stay healthy. It's been some unfortunate little incidents with him. You know, three times this year he he, he tweaked a hamstring, then he sat out for 11, and then he tweaked the ankle. He sat out for two or three, and then he he got the he rolled the other ankle. He sat out for a game or two. So, if Jamal Murray, if that starting five can say can stay healthy, and if the bench continues to progress, I think the Nuggets are going to be right there, not only challenging for the Western Conference, uh, but certainly challenging for the NBA title again. And uh, it would be nice to see them repeat. Yeah, my apologies on that. I forgot that he came back a few days ago, up 16 points last night on that win. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets for Jamal Murray, Chris Marlowe, TV voice of the Nuggets with us today on the Team Sports Network. And, uh, Chris, I have to ask you about this because it has on your bio that your favorite band is the Rolling Stones. 
So a couple things. First off, favorite Stones song, and will you see them the next time they come to to uh, Denver, which I believe is they're, what, 2024. They're on uh, Denver's on the I believe on the the schedule for the the tour stop for uh, for the Rolling Stones. Yeah, there you go. I've seen the Stones in concert. I, I, I saw them when they came to the Pepsi Center. I, I don't have plans right now to see them when they come. Uh, my favorite Stone song, of course, is Satisfaction. That goes way, way back. Uh, uh, I just I just love them. When we went to see them in person, we, we got, like, VIP tickets. Uh, we had to pay for them. They were, they were expensive, but we were right on the side. Uh, just a great seat. And uh, to see the energy... Uh, that that Mick still has and the band still has and the enjoyment they get out of playing, it, it's just fantastic. And you know, uh, you know, I'm a veteran play-by-play announcer, and it's good to see energy like that. It makes you feel young. Uh, and I just think they've been a fantastic band uh, on and on, and uh, I, I love them. Yeah, and, and the new album's really good too. I really like uh, the Hackney Diamonds album. It's really good. Hey, Chris, I appreciate you. Uh, making some time for us today. I think you're the only gold medal winner we've ever talked to in the program, so I always appreciate uh, uh, having you come on and hopefully have you back on real soon. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and the Altitude family. Hey, thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on, and and, uh, let's get in touch and uh, stay in touch. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Chris Marlowe with us today from Altitude TV. All right, that's our show. I'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, Buckeye and Cake will have uh, have your show on Monday.